I've been listening to this one podcast. Of- <laughs> well, now people are listening to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Cynical About Things. I'm your host, or your co-host, Tom. With me, as always, is Henry. And with us, as basically always, is Ken and Shalom. Yes. Hi. Hi, everyone. <laughs> And that was, I think, my favorite intro thus far. Oh, well, uh, you missed the first minute and a half where we were just, like, chit-chatting and bullshitting waiting for you to get here. <laughs> yeah, it was really weird. The Anchor app, like, took me to a weird page before I joined, so I had to, like, go out and then back in. That's why I was late, and that's huh. why the intro is the best one ever. Yeah, um, well, I guess now I gotta leave it in there <laughs> so that you could listen to it once the episode is out. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think that that's a perfect way to begin. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, today we're gonna be talking about uh, Black Panther 2 Wakanda Forever is the subtitle, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think with that, we'll just jump right into it. Uh, Henry. No, nah, not Henry. Ken, are, <laughs> are you cynical about Black Panther 2 Wakanda Forever? I am a bit cynical about Black Panther 2, Wakanda Forever, I must say, personally. Oh no, why is that? <laughs> um, I guess we'll, we'll go all through through it, um, but I think it was a great tribute to Chadwick Boseman. I think they did handle it with care, um, and I do think that there were some very entertaining and interesting aspects about the movie. I think I just couldn't fully invest myself in this plot of uh, Wakanda versus basically Atlantis. It didn't really resonate with me and I didn't really find it too believable for me to enjoy that much. Okay. Uh, Shalom, how about you? Um, I I liked it a lot. I'm not very cynical about it. I liked it a lot. I uh, cried through a lot of it. I think I started... They like show you Chadwick Boseman, and then I just like thought that so much of the, like a lot of the themes were like, uh, were really cool about like, especially like seeing women in science. Basically, the whole movie being about that, I was like, oh, this is a really cool thing to have in a superhero movie. Um, so yeah, I I thought that like the generally when I watch a Marvel movie like the plot is always going to be like uh like it's always going to be basically along the same lines so there were a couple of things that i felt like they'd never addressed properly they like did something in the beginning and they didn't like address it at the end they didn't resolve the main conflict of the entire movie i thought but yep. I, still, I still uh liked watching it so i don't know i feel like if the if your goal when you go to see a Marvel movie is to just hang out and like kind of have a good time watching superheroes do stuff, I feel like I'm not cynical about that part of it. Okay, so we have a, a pretty cynical and we have a not cynical. Henry, where are you on the scale? Oh, well, th- this is interesting now, actually, because I would say I'm right in the middle, which I know is usually what I always say, but it's just because that does tend to be where I usually land with these things. But I'll go into a little more detail on that, so... We saw this movie a few weeks ago when it came out, and we originally were going to do this episode right when we saw it, but then things got in the way, and now here we are like three weeks later doing it now instead. Uh, But walking out of the theater, I was actually pretty cynical about it, but um, in the weeks that have passed since, it's grown on me a little bit. 
I, I guess it's no secret that I've been sort of on the fence on the whole way they decided to handle the whole T'Challa thing. Like when we heard that they weren't going to recast him and that they were going to like work his death into the script. I remember thinking like, oh, well, that's weird. And at least to you, Tom, I remember mentioning that back when we reviewed the first Black Panther a few months ago. Mm-hmm. And so when we were watching this movie the whole time, I just couldn't really get into it because I kept thinking like, ah, where is he supposed to be here? You know, like I, I couldn't focus on the movie itself because I kept trying to figure it out. But then I think it was like a week after the movie came out, Marvel did some kind of press statement thing where they basically clarified what they were originally planning to do with Chadwick Boseman before he had died. And uh, that kind of helped to give me like closure on the whole situation, weirdly enough. And I I guess this is going into a little bit of spoiler territory, but they basically admitted that they were going to incorporate the events of Endgame into the story originally about how he got like snapped out of existence for five years, like a bunch of other people did. And like, you guys remember that scene in the movie where like the, the French military attacks Wakanda in the beginning? Yeah. yeah yeah marvel had said like that was always in the script even when he was still alive it's just that like before instead of it being like you know aha t'challa is dead so now we're going to attack you it was haha t'challa got snapped so now we're going to attack you so he was already like basically dead in the story anyways to an extent so once i learned that then it made sense i was like okay now i see why they like just worked his actual death into the script instead of going through the trouble to recast him because if they had recast him and and kept that exact same story about him being quote-unquote dead for five years that would have been awkward yeah with to do it with a different actor and everything like that so like i i get it now and i'm glad that they finally came out and explained that and i understand that they needed to wait until after the movie to explain that because you know to avoid spoilers and things like that uh so that kind of helped a little bit but that being said there are still aspects of this movie that i am cynical about regardless of the whole t'challa situation like similar to what you said ken i just couldn't really jive with atlantis in this movie i know it's not called atlantis but what, whatever it's called it's basically atlantis i'm just gonna call it that for the rest I'm of call, i'm calling it atlantis and i'm yeah. calling the people the fish people probably yeah. so <laughs> i know they probably have their own name but like i that's what i remember the best Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just didn't immerse me. I I think I told you guys the the Atlantis from Aquaman immersed me more than this. <laughs> but um, that being said, there were also aspects of this movie that I did like. Uh, I you know Shuri, she really carried the movie, all that stuff. Angela Bassett did a great job. I don't. Are we are we okay with getting into like deep deep spoilers right now? Or sure, why not? I think so. Yeah, I'm always fine with that. <laughs> okay, cool. I, I think her death midway through the movie was a step too far, especially after the whole beginning of the movie was about T'Challa's funeral and everything. Then they basically just recreated the same exact funeral for her 40 minutes later. I thought that was kind of, I don't know, it, it, it like eclipsed his death in a weird way and kind of messed with the tone and the pacing. I would I think like having Namor just... Uh, attack Wakanda w- was enough of like an act to gut punch where you don't really need another death on top of that you know what I mean and I think that you could have either done it that way or you could have done it where when he attacks Wakanda there that just is the final battle because that's enough the whole third act of this movie was like really over the top I thought I don't know about you guys but yeah and then it just kind of ends I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. Such a good way of putting it. You know? It just kind of ends. It's true. They it just it does. It just kind of ends. They're just like you you want to be friends now? Sure. <laughs> like 
even though they're not really friends. I don't know. It's like what you said, Shalom. Like, even though you were more positive on it overall, you did make a good point that it's like the main plot of the movie didn't really get accomplished by the end of it or yeah. something. Yeah. But, you know, it sounds like I'm shitting on it. But like I said, there were there were bits and pieces of it that I did enjoy. You know, the, the supporting cast really carrying the movie and everything like that. Yeah, it's it's not it's not entirely terrible. And the the guy who played the villain, you know, you could tell he was really acting his ass off, I thought. So, yeah, yeah, I do think the performances themselves were good. Um, I do think, um, again, like I said before, there were some very interesting points. I think the whole idea of like they open up Wakanda and the sentiment behind that in, in the original movie was like, we're going to be able to help the world a whole lot more. We're going to like break the status quo, but that also comes with dangers. People want our power countries, want our power and we need to be kind, but we need to be strong. And I felt like that was, that was one of the aspects that I really liked. And that's why I felt like the beginning was strong. Um, yeah. Yeah. I was into it in the beginning. Yeah. For the most yes. part. Um, I just felt that, like, um, when it went from that, like, Wakanda telling basically the UN, like, hey, guys, we're not stupid. Please don't go invading us or attacking us. Um, when it went from that to kind of like, okay, we might have to fight against Atlantis, the fish people. And I think that what, what they were trying to go for is like, hey, we're both these two, like, powerful countries that in a way we've been, we've been wrong generationally, uh, being indigenous, they're being colonists. Um, like we should be fighting alongside each other against each other. Um, I felt like they brought such a big theme to the movie that maybe the movie itself, there's no way in a single movie, even a long movie would have had enough time to completely introduce these people and give them proper motivations and explain why they really would want to fight Wakanda um, as a means to prevent them from then them not being in the way when they attack the rest of the world. I just felt like that was just like uh, a whole lot. <laughs> yeah, I thought that the um, uh, I guess really quick before I I accidentally make it sound like I hated the movie. Uh, <laughs> I really liked I really liked Shuri's character arc in this. That was basically the the strongest point of it um, for me. And you know, with a with a series of movies that's kind of like weighed down by a lot of origin stories that aren't particularly interesting, I felt like Shuri's rise into being the new Black Panther was probably one of the more convincing, uh, like stepping into the role of the hero stories that the MCU has put out. At least for me, like by the end of it, I really felt like she had gone through a lot of difficult decisions and a lot of interesting scenarios that ultimately led to her having her own reason for donning the suit and kind of her own style behind how she wants to be the Black Panther with like the mix of anti-traditionalism and also traditionalism. Um, so I really liked that. I really liked her. It was also funny to see a scrawny superhero. Uh, yeah, especially next but, to Mubaku. I, I knew Mubaku yeah. was big, but I didn't know he was that big. Jesus Christ. Yeah, so I really liked her story. Um, but big, big parts that I don't like are, yeah, the, the mainly the plot. The inciting <laughs> event makes no sense to me. Um, there's so like, there's the drill. The, the, gov- the U.S. government's using a drill to drill for vibranium. And this has been invented by Ironheart or future Ironheart. And like they, 
Namor's people decide that they have to kill future Ironheart so that she can't make another drill? But like, why the drills would, already made? <laughs> why would they assume that the U.S. government can't just make another drill without her help? Like, right. she gave them the schematics or something. Like, presumably, like, what did she like build it in her garage and then give it to them? And is like, you can't reverse engineer this. It's it's illegal. I have a copyright <laughs> on it. Like, well, yeah. I don't know. I don't know why. Maybe maybe Namor's people just don't know how science works i don't know so they're like well she made it so we gotta kill her uh so that made no sense to me and then yeah at the end of the movie they kind of are just like hey you want to stop fighting but then in the future we'll team up against those bad people and it's just like okay that's that's the end i guess nothing really got resolved um so yeah major points off for the whole plot but Shuri's character arc very much carried the movie for me to the point that I'm not really that down on it, I would say. Yeah, I thought that the the whole conflict, I thought, was about the vibranium being taken, or like all these countries are trying to steal the vibranium. And there are these two countries to which it's actually, like to whom it actually currently belongs. And they're trying to like protect it. And I thought that was going to be the whole central focus of the movie, and it was not. And I don't know what the movie focused on instead. It just kind of went from from story to story. Um, and it had, like, unifying themes of, like, um, loss, like, overcoming loss, get, getting stronger. Like, they had um, Shuri's story and then the villain's story um, that were sort of parallel in that they they told the stories of how both of them got their superpowers and everything. Um, but so, it, yeah, it was, to Henry's point earlier, it was a lot to pack into, like, one movie, especially yeah. with the queen then dying. Like, it yeah. Was, it, yeah, it was a lot to, to try to, yeah. It, when the queen died, it felt like the movie, like, restarted itself in a weird way. And, I mean, like, the movie's three hours long. It felt like two different hour and a half long movies kind of yeah, joined together at the hip yeah yeah it feels like it's like a story of possibly like the secession crisis and shuri like stepping up to the mantle and becoming the black panther and then a crisis that is like wakanda versus atlantis or whatever they call it uh it's like it's it's a weird double feature but it's one movie and felt very very long also just another quick point i don't i still I don't remember. Is it ever covered why or how Atlantis is able to attack a landlocked nation through water? Uh, I, like, oh yeah, for some pitch meeting brought that point up too. How like how the hell was Namor able to get past Wakanda's like river security? Because there's only like one river running into Wakanda, <laughs> and I'm pretty sure they have guards there. But somehow he's just able to swim there, don't they? Yeah, that too. So he was able to swim past the force field and get through guards multiple times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, I remember watching the trailer and I was like, I'm pretty sure Wakanda is landlocked. And then they never really addressed that. Like he just kind of like the the canal system in the Wakandan city like starts to overflow and then like he just pops out of the water. And it's like, hey, but where did yeah. you come from? Did you hike across Africa then jump into this river? Like what? 
And I think pitch meeting also made the point that like after he snuck in the first time, you think you'd think the queen would like tell the guards like, "Hey, double the security on the river part of Wakanda, please." Maybe the security (laughs) guards were fish, and then Namor was like, "Yo, you guys are my bros. Like, let me through." Like, yeah, man, of course, no problem. (laughs) When he said, "I have more soldiers than blades of grass," I thought he was talking about fish. Uh, Oh, yeah, I thought he was like Aquaman. Yeah. That would make a lot more sense because in the final battle, he brings maybe about a hundred people. I'm like, you do know the whole world is billions of people. I don't know if like 100 soldiers can really take over the world, no matter how strong they are. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was my favorite line in the movie was I have more soldiers than your country has blades of grass. And I mean, admittedly, he only saw that one riverbank, so maybe there were only like 100 <laughs> blades of grass on that riverbank, but he grossly <laughs> underestimated the number of blades of grass <laughs> in Wakanda, or grossly overestimated the number of soldiers he had. I don't know. He, he didn't have that math lined up, though. Yeah. Also, in terms of just military power, um, maybe you guys can let me know if it like if it just like uh, went over my head. But like, were the fish people like really that advanced with a vibranium? Because they had vibranium like the Wakandans. But the most that I saw was that they had it in spears, but they didn't use it in ways that like the Wakandans did, which was like uh, technological beads and like super fast trains. Like I only just saw them have jewelry and spears, so I didn't really see them also as being militarily powerful other yeah, than more who Namor by himself was almost god i think the only other thing the atlanteans or whatever we're going to call them used vibranium for was to make that underwater sun remember that part he was like i gave my oh, people yeah. the sun yeah it was like from some vibranium machine or something but yeah that's pretty much it yeah which wasn't even used for combat so then yeah. they were planning to have a bunch of spears take over the world which i was also like i don't know yeah. Uh, and also, maybe this is better explained in the comics, but how is it that the herb or whatever, the vibranium plants, when consumed by the, the ancient Aztec people or whatever, made them turn blue and then made Namor specifically because he didn't take it, his pregnant mother took it and made him like an elf with little wings on his ankles. With little wings on his feet. I'm like, oh, <laughs> is that how it works? <laughs> oh, I mean, yeah, when they were when yeah. they were explaining his powers, it was like, or they were explaining the effects of the vibranium. It's like they they allowed him to breathe underwater. It's like okay, that's pretty awesome. They gave him pointy ears. Okay, <laughs> sure, I guess. And they gave him wings on his feet. I'm like, what is what? what like the Black Panther consumes the vibranium and gets like super strong and super fast, <laughs> super reaction time. And then this guy gets it, just gets like the most random hodgepodge of powers. Yeah, and immortality. Don't forget the immortality. Yeah, he doesn't age. Yeah, the... <laughs> oh yeah, he doesn't age. He ages like at like one fiftieth the yeah. time that people age. Mm-hmm. Oh, another thing about Namor. Well, I I'm not sure if I'm remembering this correctly, but uh, when he's like talking about his origin story, do, doesn't he say something like? Uh, they started calling me Namor or Namor because I have no love for the colonists yeah. or whatever. Uh, did he? Did they expect him to have love for them? Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like it's like if if you're if a guy who doesn't like you walks up to you and punches you, are you gonna start calling him like, you no know, love? No <laughs> love. Because that's basically. Did you expect him to be friendly? I don't know. Like, I don't. I don't know. I thought that was. A kind of amusing explanation. I figured his name was just Namor because that was his name. I didn't know. Yeah, he didn't I'm pretty sure the 
I, I wouldn't be surprised if the comics have a completely different explanation for that or no explanation at all. Maybe the movie just made that up itself. I don't know. Yeah. Also, his girlfriend or wife was called Namora. So it's just like his name was an A. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Well, that's another confusing thing. Was that his girlfriend or was that his daughter? Or Oh, uh, I assumed it was his daughter. Yeah, that's what I, I could have yeah. been wrong. It was his like, assistant. Oh. I didn't know that they were really the call. We all have uh, very different interpretations. So I <laughs> he just like hired her. She's an intern. I remember that, that did confuse me a little bit when they started mentioning Namora. I was like, wait, are they talking about a different character now or are they talking about the guy? Like, it, yeah. it took my brain a second to even process that. Yeah, I assumed it was her daughter because like, what are the chances that he would marry a woman and her name would be Namora? And the right. part, what are the chances that he would hire an intern and her name would, be, would Namora? be Namora? Yeah, that, that's why I assumed daughter also, yeah. Yeah. Did he have a wife then? I forget. I maybe in the past and she died because I, I think he's the only one there that's immortal. Everybody else isn't. So he's probably had multiple wives and kids already at this point, which must be really awkward, I would imagine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, his existence seems like not that great. It seems like he's like, <laughs> like he's like a semi god. But then he has these groups of people who it's like he's like the king of them, but then they all like grow up and then die around him and then grow up and die around. I don't know. I feel yeah. like a very sad existence. Yeah. I wish the movie would have explored that more, to be honest with you. Yeah, I would have enjoyed more Namor stuff because yeah. I felt like what I got was not sufficient. Yeah. I think the MCU, like Tom, you were saying that his powers seem really random. I feel like the MCU is leaning more like with moon knight and everything too like more into like spirituality versus like not versus science but like they're doing they're like oh we did like science we did like iron man and like all that stuff and now we're doing like gods are real like religions are real if you believe in them and like yeah right. the, the, well, yeah yeah no i agree with you in the beginning it was really just thor and the norse mythology stuff but then like in recent movies and shows they've added all these other like uh i get yeah i guess mythologies or religions or whatever you want to call it into the mix and that's kind of made things really confusing yeah because the only thing that that kind of explained that sort of explained why he had the powers that he had was that he said i think that the god the gods of his tribe gave them to him so like they he was like oh my powers were decided by like a god or gods and i'm like and like we don't get to meet those gods maybe yeah but like i guess they we now are just like okay the like gods are real i guess yeah you just have to choose your pick like are they gods because they're as guardians for actually just powerful aliens or are they gods because they're eternals or just like Greek mythology, or the actual thoughts, like from Moon Knight. It's like pick your poison. <laughs> yeah, the lore varies from project to project, which is confusing too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I also thought it was funny that Namor no, no got like his god powers and everything, but then apparently he has a super weakness where if you just like dry him out like a sponge, he becomes <laughs> weak. <laughs> It's like it's like oh okay. I feel like that's the thing is I feel like Namor got the short straw on basically like everything. <laughs> I really could have used more of like his personality and his backstory and his relationship with people, and then also I could have used him having a little bit more of a coherent like like explanation for why he can just be defeated by a heated room. 
(laughs) (laughs) Poor guy. I don't know. I felt very bad for him in that final fight. I think Henry mentioned, like, the ending of the movie feels very rushed and wild. That fight between uh, Shuri and, and Namor, where she just, like, fires a jet engine into him. <laughs> I felt kind of bad for him at the end there. That's like, what I mean. I was like, oh, wow. She's yeah, was like walking fish. towards the water. He's like, aha, I've won. I'm going to get back to my ocean. And she's just like, nah, I'm going to fry you with a jet engine. <laughs> Not only that, but by that point, she had gotten stabbed right through the stomach, but she's somehow just okay. Yeah, she's fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah we were discussing that when we were leaving the theater, and I forget who, who said it, but they made an excellent point that uh, good old Creed died from the Killmonger. He died from the exact same wound. Yeah. Right. So like why he does... got stabbed in the abdomen. Exactly. Yeah. And then he's like, he's like immobilized and, and T'Challa has to like drag him up to, so that he can see the sunset. And he's like, I'm going to die here. And then <laughs> he just collapses. I mean, he basically literally says that. And yep. then he just collapses. And then sure, he gets stabbed. And she's like, nah. Nah. <laughs> and it's like, okay, she's cool. Like, I guess she's tough, but I could have, I guess, like, it would have been maybe like add in an explanation that the synthetic I was about flower, to say, like, yeah, gave her, her a flower was factor synth- or something. Yeah, yeah, like, exactly. she added it in, you know, yeah. maybe it would have helped T'Challa. So she added it in or something like that. I don't uh, know. Yeah. But it kind of like, it felt very weird that, uh, Especially since Killmonger appears in the movie. It's yeah. kind of weird that yeah. like, he appears and then we're reminded of how he died, except that mm. Shuri just is like tanks it. She's just like, nah. He was nah. weak. <laughs> well, I, I did think though that his appearance was cool. I was not expecting it. That was I great, it, yeah. it was a great I was like, because you're supposed to, I guess, take the drink the flower, wake up and see one ancestor. Mm-hmm. Uh, I never would have guessed Killmonger, but it was yeah. Still that. that was a nice surprise for me too. Yeah, and he did a great job uh, in that scene. Yeah, he did. Yeah, now if she ever sees him again, she can brag that she got stabbed. She's the cooler Black Panther. Yeah, <laughs> when we were watching that final battle, I remember just like leaning to Henry and telling him like, "Hey." Um, I could totally see the end of this movie just showing up with a logo of Dasani saying like, hey, quench your thirst. <laughs> just like, just like, he's like just crawling like to a bottle of like Dasani's like, I really need this. I need it. <laughs> I remember you saying that. Yeah. And I was laughing my ass off in the theater too. <laughs> yeah. That whole, uh, that whole ending sequence where, and I was, the, the Dasani sequence was, was, confusing enough to me but the uh the other half of it where they're like fighting on that i don't know that big boat or whatever it is and the the atlanteans are climbing up it and whatnot it was like there were too many super suits i feel yeah you know there were a lot of super suits in this movie because there was ironheart super suit and then there was like the two whatever midnight angel super suit yeah yeah, yeah. there was like a lot of and someone going else. on, and I think I forget who said it, but somebody pointed out that's like the angel, the the midnight angels were blue, and then the blue people were blue, so it wasn't always easy to tell which blue people were the good blue people, and then the blue people were fighting each other, and it's like this looks like a civil war at this point. I don't know. Yeah, very, very chaotic. Similar color blue too. It was like they were both like light teal. 
Yeah. They were fighting each other. Yeah, you would think that like Midnight Angel would be like dark blue, very dark blue, almost black levels of blue. But no, they were like sky blue. I don't know. Very cute, confusing choices, I guess, with all the super suits and color palettes and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I concur. I would have just made them red since their Dora Milaje suits are already red to begin with. Might as well just stick to that. That's but, true, yeah. Yeah. I guess the whole symbolism is that they're not Dora Milaje anymore, so blue is the opposite of red or whatever. I don't know. I'm just pulling things out of my ass <laughs> at this point. <laughs> I just, I also didn't follow the connection. They have, so basically the, the they were like, Namor was like, Shuri, fight with me. We'll kill everyone. Or <laughs> like, we'll do whatever we want. <laughs> and she, she's like, no, I can't do that. And he's like, okay, then I'll take over Wakanda <laughs> first. <laughs> and then. <laughs> and so, and, um, but, and they have this whole battle. And then at the end, because he's defeated, he's like, okay, so we will work together. So, and, I just didn't follow, like, I understand that she defeated him, but it just wasn't enough of a connection to me to bridge that gap between, like, he was not willing to work with her before, and now he is, and I I just wish I would have seen that thought process, that jump, a little bit more about what changed his mind. Yeah, it did feel very abrupt, his, like, change of heart. They kind of tried to justify it with... uh what was it actually was it that she was about to kill him or he was about yeah, to kill her she was, she was about no. to kill him like she like you know she like kicked him over and then like put the spear to his chest yeah and then she was like no this isn't how we do it and then he went back and had that conversation with namora and she was like bro why why no fight and he was <laughs> like well she spared my life and Namor's like weak. And then, <laughs> and then like he goes back, he's like, Don't worry, we'll work we'll eventually work with the Wakandans to defeat them. And then that was basically the end of the movie, or at least the end of Namor's involvement in the movie. Uh yeah, I don't know. I I feel like he's making some bold assumptions there. Like she spared his life. Okay, you can kind of assume that she doesn't want to kill you anymore. But then he's like, Don't worry this exact thing that I tried a day ago that didn't work, I'm going to do it in the future. Yeah. It's going to work. <laughs> okay. If, if you think so, man. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and, um, well, I'm trying to think what other positives I could think of aside from just like the acting performances, like we said. I guess there's really not much else to go off of because it's either just the acting or the plot. I guess the whole Cambridge sequence was cool, which by the way, funny enough, for those of you listening, we happened to all be in Cambridge when we watched this movie. So that was kind of a trip. And also Tom came up to visit. It was the first time all four of us were together. Ken and I hadn't seen Tom in seven years and Shalom had never seen Tom at all. So that was an experience. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and we were going to do this episode in person, but then we decided not to. And <laughs> now we do it now. Yeah. We started oh. talking about other movies. <laughs> <laughs> oh, one thing that I would say at the end of the movie, the, the falling action felt kind of like rushed-ish to me. At the end of the movie, um, is his name Jabari? No, that's nope. the clan name. Um, Mubaku. 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 
he shows up to the like king's moot thing and he's like i'm gonna be king now but yeah wouldn't uh, do they just like do it differently like did shuri just like abdicate wouldn't it go to her that uh, my interpretation was that she abdicated to him yeah okay yeah but, i feel like there was like a missing scene where she yeah. like gives him give gives him her blessing to do that yeah because like think about it went over my head a little bit yeah especially I, since it's then shown that she's like over in haiti so it's like right. it's almost like he's doing it behind her back and she's gonna yeah. come back to, to wakanda and he's gonna be like yo i took over and she's gonna be like I, what <laughs> don't do that yeah <laughs> i think the implication is that she's gonna be staying in haiti for a while with lupita nyong'o's character and the secret son which I don't know how to feel about that part, by the way, with the whole secret son and his name also happens to be T'Challa and everything. I have mixed feelings about that. Yeah. On, on one hand, you can argue that like it was a tribute saying that he does get to live on. And on the other hand, you could say like they're just trying to, to replace him, him as soon as they can. And like yeah. they just say, like, okay, yeah, this will be the new Black Panther whose name will also be T'Challa, and we're all good now. <laughs> so it's right. it, yeah. And the, and the MCU has already opened itself up to multiverses and time travel and shit. So it's like they could just pull him from the future, like in Avengers, uh, Secret Wars or whatever that's going to be called. You know, I don't know. It's a little awkward. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I I didn't know how to like, I didn't know what to think about that. I, I just thought it was a weird kind of thing to write and like have as the tag of the entire movie. Like, oh, yeah. by the way like surprise i don't know it it just seemed like too big of a surprise out of nowhere like i understand they were saying like oh we're trying to hide him to protect him or something but like that's his aunt like he really never she really never knew they really never said anything to her i i feel like i would be upset yeah yeah exactly the mom yeah, it felt knew. a little uh it felt a little soap opera-ish to me yeah that's a good way yeah. of putting it yeah, yeah. The yes. mom knew because earlier the mom was like, oh, there's something I need to tell you about your brother. But then that was when Namor showed up and then the whole movie happens. And I remember the whole movie thinking like, what the fuck was she going to say? <laughs> and then, <laughs> yeah, then it turned out to be that. But, That's actually but interesting. I didn't even remember that. But yeah, you're right. Like right before Namor threw a water bomb at her. Yeah. He was like, there's something you should know about all this. And then he threw a water bomb at her. Yeah. Well, Which yeah. Is- yeah, which is why it irritates me that that reveal ended up being a post-credit scene. I I don't know. I don't I don't really. It's like how Moon Knight, like literally the most important scene in the whole show, is a post-credit scene. In the, <laughs> you know, I don't know. I the, they're they're really overdoing it with these post-credit scenes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I almost forgot that like one of the biggest weapons of the Atlantis people was like water balloons. <laughs> Powerful water balloons. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, I feel like they never convinced me of what was actually going on there. Like they threw water balloons at people and as far as you could tell it was just water. Yeah, but I guess like, like it was very like high pressured water. Yeah, it was like condensed water. <laughs> I get. I guess so. Because I guess if it's from the bottom of the ocean, the pressure on it would be. I don't know. I'm dumb at physics, but <laughs> well, water technically incompressible. But I mean, what what do I know? Yeah. <laughs> I, I guess know. it was vibranium water. Yeah, <laughs> water. I love that. They also uh, didn't go into what the what was the deal with the sirens, the singers. Oh yeah, that was one of the weirdest like oh, yeah. weapons. Sing- Wait, sing- the- I don't even how like this. they could like do the singing mind control. Yeah, thing. 
They would like mind control. Oh, the mind control part. Oh, yeah, 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 that. And then jump off. Why didn't they use that against the Wakandans? Yeah, that went over my head. I think that they kept on using earplugs or something. (laughs) And they they kept using the mind control thing just to make people commit suicide. It was pretty morbid. Okay, yeah, I have a big I have a big issue with this. Uh, that the the beginning of that movie played like a horror movie. Right. Where where like the Atlanteans attacked and like they were like mind controlling people into jumping into the water and then like killing them or drowning them or whatever. Yeah. And it's like, okay, this is immediately not what I was necessarily expecting, but okay. <laughs> and then there's it, it like ends with that scene where the woman gets into the helicopter and then Namor just like eats their helicopter into the ocean. Yeah. Uh, and that like ends that tone like the tone of the movie just switches yeah i'm pretty sure i'm pretty sure that is from the original script because they did say namor was always going to be the villain even you know when bozeman was still alive and all that and um i think that that's just the whole i think you and i have talked about this tom like ever since empire strikes back came out all those years ago everybody's like oh the second movie has to be the dark one and I, I think it was just like a byproduct of that. You know what I mean? Like, oh, it's the second movie, so we got to have something really dark and spooky happen in it. I don't know. Yeah, it was interesting because like it it never had that tone again. Again, I guess yeah. there was like there was like one that. line that was what Martin Freeman's character, where mm-hmm. like he like very somberly said like some of those people were my friends, and it's like okay, mm-hmm. so that's like an attempt to acknowledge that that scene was very dark mm-hmm. but like then it's just like from there on out the atlanteans like aren't particularly mysterious or i would even really say like like they they just like jump out on a bridge in cambridge and are like yo like they, yeah. like they were hiding and like striking from the ocean specifically in the initial part of the movie, but then they just like hop out onto some concrete and are like, we're going to throw water bombs at you. And it's like, (laughs) are these even, is this the same army? Uh, Like, I don't know. Like, why were they so spooky in the first 20 minutes? And now they're just like walking up to people and saying hi. I don't know. Yeah. It was very strange. Yeah. I think it was just like ticking a box, like, you know, got to have the dark cold opening. Okay. That's done. Now we could make this an actual superhero movie because that's what it is, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. Superhero movies in general tend to have like tone problems a lot i've noticed i agree with that i feel like also superhero movies in general try to do too much because they always want to acknowledge like uh the movies that came before them set up new movies have their own plots and kind of some move some things forward but at the same time keep other things exactly the same yeah and not only that but like superhero movies also try to do too much in the sense that they try to like break the mold and do something different like being kind of a horror movie like tom was pointing out but then at the end of the day it's still got to be a superhero movie so it's still got to have like the big cgi battle and the corny villain monologue and stuff like that you know like yeah i don't know yeah Yeah. i could have skipped the whole part where uh the water people fight the wakandans and just had a movie that maybe was a little bit more of that tone, like like the different tone that you have in the beginning, where it's like a little bit creepier, or like because I think, like Henry, you were saying that like the part where the that was there, there was a part that was already written where they're like in France and they're trying to steal a vibranium. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I can kind of see like that, com- like being a similar, not the same tone to the ship scene. 
I could but it have does still also have like a darky kind of vibe to it, yeah. Yeah, I could yeah. have had like a whole movie where it was just kind of like maybe the fish people and the Wakandans together, like maybe fighting separately. And then at the end, like I thought a lot more of the movie was going to take place in the ocean on that that ship thing. Mm. Because yeah. the, I, I, again, like I thought the whole conflict was there is this vibranium in the ocean and the ocean people cl- are, have claimed it. But the like Americans and everyone are not even aware that the ocean people exist. So they're like, so like that to me was like the whole central conflict. And so I thought that that, that the vibranium, where the vibranium was, was going to be where the battle was. Um, yeah. Yeah. I do wonder if maybe the original script had a darker tone all around. And then this one had mixed tones because it had to kind of be a sequel, but at the same time also be a Shuri origin story, so to speak. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I would have loved the movie without the Atlantis people and instead it being the American government and the other countries that just flat out want to fight Wakanda. Yeah. Because their resources. Think, yeah. I think, you know, like, uh, I think I was saying this to you, Ken, the other day that in the comics, uh, Namor or Namor, whatever we're supposed to call him, is uh, one of Black Panther's biggest adversaries. So I think the filmmakers felt like a moral obligation to put him in the movie, but. Yeah, I don't really know if it fits with the MCU. The whole yeah. knockoff Atlantis thing. Yeah. Yeah. Especially when there was a level of focus of uh, the ex wife and boss of uh, Bilbo Baggins being like one get more vibranium yeah. and basically her creating like a Dark Avengers team throughout the new movies, like where she's yeah. just trying to get new superheroes. Yep. Um, so I feel like they were setting that up also for another movie, but it could have even been paying off in that movie yeah that's a good point tom what were you gonna say uh i was gonna say it's interesting that uh namor is one of black panther's bigger enemies considering that at the end of this he was basically like we're gonna be pals (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) oh i think in the comics they might be like frenemies like they they start off hating each other then they liked each other then they hated each other again i honestly don't i'm not an expert but i i thought i heard something like that so Okay, yeah. Yeah, it was also weird, like, um, uh, that woman, um, you know, Elaine from Seinfeld. Um, yeah, she, yeah. She was like, she showed up, and I, I didn't, I I don't know, I don't pay enough attention to any of this stuff to even know who she was, but I obviously immediately understood that she was supposed to be bad. Um, and I remember Henry (laughs) sitting next to me in the theater, and I heard him go, oh. Uh, so I was like, this is somebody I should know. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was weird. Like she showed up and she was like, I want vibranium. And I'm like, uh Oh, here's the not so dark horse, dark antagonist, dark horse antagonist. And then at the end she was like, there's nothing I would want more than beating up Wakanda. And then it was like, okay, well that's your final line for the movie. Bye. <laughs> yeah, it's rolled. Yeah, like, okay. is she bad I guess, though? Because... I guess we know what Black Panther three is going to be about, but I it guess. felt very weird. Yeah. It's confusing though because when you factor in her other appearances in the MCU so far, like she was in Falcon and Winter Soldier, and in that, I didn't really like fully interpret her as bad. More like gray, kind of in the middle, because she recruits U.S. agent who's like the knockoff Captain America. And he starts off as an asshole, but kind of has a little bit of a redemption arc towards the end. So, but then she shows up again in the Black Widow movie in the post credit scene, and she basically tells Black Widow's sister, you got to go kill Hawkeye. So there she seems bad. So 
I don't know. It's kind of confusing exactly like if we're, whether we're really supposed to see her as good or evil. I guess in future movies it'll become more clear, but I'm pretty sure she's meant to be like the replacement of Nick Fury, though. She's the new head of S.H.I.E.L.D., right? That's... Um, Isn't she just the head of the CIA? I don't know. Yeah, Yeah, because she she definitely works directly for the U.S. government, and I think S.H.I.E.L.D. was a bit more of a separate entity. Oh, S.H.I.E.L.D. doesn't really exist anymore, does it? Yeah. Okay. I guess so. That's a good question, actually. What happened to S.H.I.E.L.D.? What happened to S.H.I.E.L.D.? I don't. (laughs) <laughs> I, it, it, it like fell apart in Winter Soldier, I think. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. Isn't is Shield it? like just Nick Fury now? Like basically in a single in room, just yelling. <laughs> just yelling. <laughs> he's in space right now. Actually, I'm pretty sure. But oh, he's he's in space. Okay, hanging out with the green people, the scrolls. I I, have I can't keep track of this stuff anymore. Neither can I. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead, Shalom. I have so many opinions about what they did to Julia Louise Dreyfus's character because they. It, I feel the same way as so. Ken and I were once watching this this like kind of trashy Netflix movie. I for, totally forget what it was, but Molly Ringwald was in it, and she was playing a mom, and like her, I think her character name was just Mom, and literally her <laughs> her whole line, like her lines were all like, "Oh, honey, have you done the laundry yet?" Or like, "Can I get you a snack?" Like literally just like offensively stereotypical like mom character and i was like this is molly ringwald <laughs> mm. you cannot do this and i feel similarly with julia louis dreyfus's character in black panther 2 because she to me is one of the best like comedians of all time definitely one of the like female comedians that i think is like really talented um mm-hmm. and to they put her in this movie and like in this movie in particular i haven't seen falcon and the winter soldier um so I don't know what her like broader character arc is, but in this movie in particular, she was just the stereotypically like mean ex-wife, <laughs> like like to the extreme. Like everything she did was just to make Martin Freeman's character mad. And like I don't know, I was just like, this is this is a t- very talented woman, and like you're giving her lines that are literally like. I don't know, like, oh, I, I can't wait to see you in handcuffs because I hated you when we were married or something. I'm like, really? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> That's true. I agree that, like, her character was almost one-dimensional. Yeah. But I gotta say, a divorce with Vilma uh, Baggins must be terrible, you know? That was really, <laughs> that was really hurt. <laughs> I like how you keep calling him Bilbo. That, that's, that's how I know him, you know? I like I know you guys yeah. mentioned his name, but I just keep, I can only see Bilbo. <laughs> he was good as Bilbo, to be fair, but I know him more as Watson from the BBC version of Shalom. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was also just funny, to Shalom's point, like, the CIA director or something, whoever she is, shows up and she's in control of like a national operation to secure vibranium, literally the most powerful material on the in the universe. I probably I don't know. And like all she can do is make snippy remarks to her ex. Like, how did this woman get to this position if this is how what guides her character? Exactly. <laughs> that is that is exactly how I felt. I was like, what is this character? I don't I don't get it. I think to to your points like Henry and Tom like I also didn't understand what the audience was supposed to get about her character either. Like is she just annoying or is she evil or is she good or is she just a representative of the US government or like what is happening here? Yeah, that was the weird thing was when she first showed up, I was like, "Oh, this is just kind of like very talented actor uh 
given a two line role just yeah. to you know get a cameo in and then she started to become more of like a comedic character where it's like i'm haha we're divorced and i was like okay so she's like a comedic character and then at the very end of the movie she's like i want to take over the world and i'm like okay well now she's an evil card is yeah it's very weird i came out got of a lot of mixed feelings from what they were trying to do with her character in particular and also the fact that that plot line didn't get resolved like it's like a setup yeah. for black panther 3 maybe but like with the way these movies are made that could totally change right well, like, that, like that could be in 10 years from now you know with the way the schedule is and everything like that yeah so like <laughs> in the next black panther movie like all of these actors could be like five to ten years older and Elaine from Seinfeld's evil plot to get the vibranium will have been in universe like a year, but everybody will be way older and yeah. they'll be like, well, aha, I we finally got around to continuing the Black Panther 2 plot line, but then like creative differences will cause Ryan Coogler to have a write a different movie. So then there she won't be in the third movie. Yeah. So then the second movie will just have Elaine from Seinfeld cackling evilly about vibranium <laughs> and she'll never appear again. I don't know. It's very No, well they'll what they'll do is they'll move that subplot over to like Ant Man four or some shit. Because that's how this always goes. Because the MCU is really starting to have this problem more and more because I remember when they did that Edward Norton Hulk movie fourteen years ago now. It ends on a cliffhanger with uh, Tim Blake Nelson's character mutating into some new villain who I, I forget what his name was supposed to be. And then that movie flopped, so they just forgot about that subplot. But they said that now they're finally bringing Tim Blake Nelson back to do his villain character in Captain America 4, of all things. And it's like, 14 years later and we're going to pick up on this? Like, did, did, nobody even remembers this from 14 yeah. years ago. Like, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Yeah, I like to imagine that all these characters, like when their movies conclude, they just like sit down on a couch and binge Netflix <laughs> for like months, years, and then like Ant Man, they see like the uh, they see like an interview with Ant Man on the and they're like, oh yeah, I forgot, I hated him. And they get up and they start <laughs> they start going after him again because yeah. I don't know. I mean, I understand that this is just the the inevitable like production timeline of these things right. but it is really amusing to me how especially when you don't wrap it up in the movie that it's in it's like yeah. really weird because who knows when black panther 3 will happen but like, if it'll even happen well i guess it will because these movies make shit tons of money but yeah but like will will namor be in it will will elaine from seinfeld be in it will martin freeman be in it i assume they all will be like martin freeman got freed from a prison convoy at the end of this yeah. but it's weird that this isn't like a two-part movie I, I don't know it's already three hours but like it's weird that there isn't just an immediate sequel like announced in the pipeline because right. it's like such a obvious continuity thing i don't know yeah and i mean you guys know me well enough to know that i I generally don't really like cliffhangers in stories and loose ends and stuff and the loose ends in this movie are particularly irritating yeah and i'm guessing that they're probably gonna bridge black panther 2 and 3 with just more disney plus shows they're gonna try to like oh actually i forgot they did announce that they are making a wakanda disney plus show so there you go there it goes. Yep. <laughs> oh well, I guess that's a lot of 
context that I'll miss because I don't really watch the TV shows. Aren't they also making an Ironheart show or an Armor Wars or whatever show? So like, they're making they're making an Ironheart show, and with Armor Wars, it was supposed that that's about War Machine, and that was supposed to be a show, but now it's going to be a movie. Okay, so, yeah, so they could also it? continue Wakanda. Well, actually, no. Didn't she leave Wakanda at the end? She did. Yeah, so she was like, I gotta get back to MIT. And they're like, Bye. What is it with Marvel's obsession with MIT now all of a sudden? Yeah. It's like the big central plot in No Way Home was that Spider-Man and his buddies wanted to get into MIT. Which, by the way, I don't know if they know, but like nobody from... Two people from the same high school in the same year are not going to go to MIT together. That's not yeah. how MIT works. Yeah. Unless it works differently in a post- snapped world i guess but. oh yeah i guess shouldn't there have been a ned cameo if they were at mit oh yeah oh yeah or zendaya cameo yeah yeah like, shouldn't have they been hanging out in the background like that would have been ping neat. pong or something yeah but mm-hmm. there's probably like rights issues with sony or something like that so they probably couldn't address that oh right because that's all weird like that yeah i forgot I love about that. how in order to understand the mcu you actually have to have like a law degree in like co- like legal like entertainment law. Like who has the rights to this? Who has the rights to that? This is on this is on Disney Plus. That's on yeah. me. Like, well, technically, even Namor is not owned by Marvel. He's on loan from Universal, so what? they could lose him. Oh, at any time. <laughs> so he might actually just disappear. In the yeah, future. they could lose him at any time. Yeah. <laughs> See, this is the, uh, this is the stuff that I just love. like this is the stuff that like truly makes these movies kind of like meta entertaining to me (laughs) yes at any moment like as you were talking about Edward with Edward Norton uh Hulk like at any moment your main bad guy like imagine if they had somehow lost the rights to Thanos between Infinity (laughs) (laughs) that would have been sad (laughs) so he's just not in anything (laughs) instead of um Namor he'll just be Narites no rights. <laughs> no rights. They called me no Not... rights because they didn't have the rights to me. <laughs> the character. <laughs> knock off uh, no more. Generic brand no more. <laughs> I hope they eventually end up with a scenario where they like have to do that. Like they have to retcon something because they lost the rights to something and they just put Deadpool in the movie to explain it for a scene. Well, like, all right, do that now, sit down. They, they, they lost Deadpool. the rights to this. <laughs> yeah. So here we go. And then he just leaves and never <laughs> is in the movie again. <laughs> yeah. Didn't they already lose the rights to one other like random side character or not? I, uh, I don't remember. It's like, yeah, it's really hard to keep track of all this. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, on, on another positive note about the movie, um, I do appreciate that if you watch Black Panther 1 and then this one, they do kind of continue the theme of the status quo, how like um, usually you have the heroes always willing to change things. But in, in both situations, in a way, you want to th- keep the status quo. And it's about having that like that ideal like challenged in the first movie being about like should Wakanda like do more to help people. And here it was about, like, what stance should Wakanda have? Like, just work with uh, the Atlantis people and kill and kill Ironheart? Or just um, flat out be, like, far removed from this? Um, um, and then let um, the Atlanteans uh, still attack the rest of the world? 
Um, so it, it was cool that they were able to keep some of the themes from the first movie. Yeah, that's a very good point. Yeah, I actually agree with that. I, I remember when I was leaving, one of the things is I always think that it's like if you're going to make sequels to a movie, especially a movie that's like good, like Black Panther 1, because like Black Panther 1 stands alone very well. Yeah. Uh, if you're going to make sequels to a movie, you should either like make it that they're completely separate and like they don't really have that much overlap, like maybe like a couple of references between them. But that's it. Or you should make like a concerted effort to make it that like the second one builds on the first one in ways. And I felt like because I rewatched Black Panther a few months before I saw this, especially the stuff that had to do with the tradition versus not tradition with Shuri and like the 3D printing the herb flower that got like burned by Killmonger and then like yeah. Killmonger reappearing as the ancestor that she sees when she consumes the flower. I feel like they, Ryan Coogler did a really good job with like keeping that specific through line and I feel like that's going to be something that if I ever rewatch Black Panther 1 and 2 together it'll be like a really well done connection between the two movies like the transition from T'Challa as the Black Panther fighting Killmonger into Shuri becoming the Black Panther and like wrestling with Killmonger as the person she sees I think will be a very interesting through line so I think that that was very well done I do too and that was another thing they said was in the original script her trying to 3D print the herb because they explained that she also got snapped with T'Challa so they were both kind of kind of be dual protagonists in the movie where like they're both learning to cope with the fact that they were gone for five years and it you know like the Wakandans basically tell her like you know we wanted to make a new Black Panther to help protect us but all the herbs were gone and she like feels guilty about that because she knows that she could have probably helped them make new herbs and then like a huge chunk of the movie was going to be about her doing that. So that's also another thing that was always kind of in the script that survived. I don't know about her becoming Black Panther necessarily, but her trying to recreate the herbs with her technology that was always there. Yeah, they're they're doing a good job with it's kind of interesting because in the first movie, I remember when I first watched it and then when I rewatched it. I felt like there were like too many like characters in the family. Maybe like I, I, I feel like they didn't get enough time, but with this second movie added, I feel like, um, I feel like I started to appreciate the like family elements more of the movie with like yeah. the ancestors and then like the, the relatives who have died off versus like the new mm -hmm. relatives coming into it and everything like that. Like, I felt like, I feel like the, this series of movies, and hopefully they can continue it in Black Panther 3, is like, it's successfully made me care about this, like, Wakandan royal family and the things that they go through, even if the things they go through are kind of, like, goofy. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I feel like it's, it's, I feel like, yeah, this is a sequel that I feel like kind of enhances the first movie, which I appreciate when people do. Yeah, that's a good point, actually, yeah. The supporting cast is is a very strong element of both movies, and particularly this one. Yeah, because I kind of feel like, um, even though I generally like them, I guess, independently, it's like the Captain America movies are like, I don't know, very like weakly connected in a way that isn't very interesting to me. Uh, the Iron Man movies are a little bit better because they kind of just stand on their own all alone. Whereas, I don't know, 
Black Panther 2 like hits like the sweet spot of like how to do a sequel and Yeah, opinion. I think I agree with you there cuz I do like all three Captain America movies individually, but I really don't connect them together in my brain, you know, like they like you said, the connections between those three movies are weak, even if the movies themselves are pretty good. But this movie did feel like solidly connected to its predecessor. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. so hopefully they can continue that with Black Panther 3, and I'll actually care about them more. Yeah. <laughs> Certain parts of the MCU get that better than others, like the Guardians of the Galaxy movies, even though I thought the second one was just okay, it does connect well to the first one for the most part, I guess. So... The, the ones that are basically like in their own little corner of the universe are able to do that better, I think. And because, you know, the Black Panther movies obviously take place mostly in Wakanda, which is kind of off doing its own thing. The Guardians movies take place literally on the other side of the galaxy. So they're off doing their own thing, you know, so it's easier to like keep them feeling like fluid between one another, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, true that. Yeah. Is it just me or is it kind of sad that like, the world in the MCU movies after they defeated Thanos is like just back to pedally trying to steal each other's natural resources. Oh well, I was humanity, kind of depressed so when I that, saw that. It's that like, doesn't surprise me. <laughs> I was kind of depressed when I saw that. It's like they, you know, the Black Panther helped with defeating Thanos, who literally like killed half the population of the planet, and then a couple years later, they're just like, "We want your vibranium." <laughs> It's like, yeah. oh, come on, guys. Yeah. They were helping. It was too real. It was too too close to home. It was like, yep. oh, that might actually happen, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Ken, you had a point you were going to make? or uh, I think I was just going to say, I was, I was going to mention um, that I was trying to think of which movie series in the MCU is have the worst connections between them. Um, I was thinking of Thor for a second, but actually there... It, it might actually be connected to a fault where, like, uh, the themes of Thor of, like, failing and finding his way and, like, um, his family getting killed just kept happening over and over to the point that it was, yeah. oh, this is kind of like Mission Impossible where, like, Ethan Hunt keeps getting betrayed by the government and he <laughs> kind of keeps doing the same thing over and over and Thor's kind of the same way. <laughs> yeah, in a sense, Yeah. <laughs> But tonally, all four Thor movies are like very different from one another. Tonally, they're not connected at all. <laughs> I agree. Yeah, tone one, yeah. it's true. <laughs> yeah, and with Captain America, I think the problem is that, like, you know, the, with the whole thing about him being frozen for seventy years in between movies, I understand they had to do it that way because it's in the lore. But it does kind of make things weird how, like, the first movie was like a swashbuckler type movie, and then the second movie was like a spy thriller, and the third movie was like a soap opera. You know. Yeah, I do think that they, the Captain America movies, carry the spirit of all of them with the idea of like it's always a question of can Captain uh, America keep his morals in a world that's ever changing and that is many times opposes him. And I do like that that like throughout all the movies, it you keep saying like should Captain America change his mind? Should he kind of do something different? But mm-hmm. he sticks to his guns. I guess that's a good point. I do kind of like how in Civil War, it's almost like a role reversal with Captain America and Iron Man. Because like when you first meet those characters in their origin movies, Captain America is like the Boy Scout and Iron Man is like the rogue who wants to do his own thing. And by the time you get to Civil War, they've basically like switched roles because of everything they went through in like Age of Ultron and stuff like that. They, yeah. Yeah. I like that bit of it, at least. True, true. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, probably. I don't know. I feel like um, I feel like you can kind of view it one of two ways. Like either the Iron Man movies, the three independent Iron Man movies, are like separate enough that you can kind of just view them as like episodes of a cartoon show that don't have any overarching connections or you can view it as like not very well done and that like tony stark is kind of a different person each movie yeah it's like he's like he's like the you know billionaire like takes his life for granted kind of dude in the first movie who then gets like a smack in the face by reality and terrorists and he's like i guess i'll be a hero now and then in the second movie he's just kind of like a jerk i don't even know how to describe him he's just like an alcoholic with a death wish in that movie yeah and like it's that kind of feels like it comes out of left field and then in the third movie because of what happens in avengers he's like at the end of avengers where he went into the portal and almost got nuked by himself it's like he's like ptsd now yeah that he Iron Man always is like it's a weird character for me because I really like Iron Man and Robert Downey Jr. plays him so well, but he's I also love to make fun of him because he's like a different character every movie. It's like you yeah, kind of he... just like do a raffle and it pops out like, oh, I guess I'm drunk today. Oh, yeah. I guess I'm PTSD today. Oh, I guess I'm uh, a government authoritarian state today. Like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. it's like very weird. And then in the first Avengers movie, he's like jealous stepbrother to Captain America. Then in the second Avengers movie, he's like Messiah Complex Stark. And then in Civil War, he's like Guilt Complex Stark. And then in the Spider-Man movies, he's Daddy Stark. Yeah, he, he really just keeps changing movie to movie, but not organically. Like, it's very random changes in between movies. Yeah, it's weird because yeah. they have such a talented actor. And he plays the character so well every time they give him it. But, like, he kind of has played, like, 15 different characters yeah. in the in the Marvel movies. And it's weird because I can't tell if they do that intentionally or if it's just like, uh, well, we need a guy to be this for the plot. And Tony Stark is awesome. So I guess we'll just make Tony Stark <laughs> Obi-Wan today and I mean, Darth to an Vader extent, tomorrow. And, to an and... extent, yeah. Because, for instance, in Age of Ultron, in the comics, it was Ant-Man, the original Ant-Man, Hank Pym, uh, the one, the old Ant-Man that Michael Douglas plays in the movies. He's the one who creates Ultron. But when they made Age of Ultron, the movie, they hadn't gotten around to introducing Ant-Man in the MCU yet. So they were like, well, we'll just give this role to Tony Stark. <laughs> yeah, I feel like. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All this to say that I feel like the characters are very consistent between Black Panther one and two. And I very much enjoyed that and appreciated it. Yeah. I felt like Ryan Coogler definitely watched his own movie before he made this one. Yeah. And I appreciate it when it feels like the director paid attention to their own movie before they made the sequel. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. Because even with the Guardians movies, even though I was defending those earlier, one of the issues with the second one is that Yondu is like suddenly way nicer than he was in the first one. So even those movies don't really like fully get it right, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, also, I didn't watch uh, Guardians 2, but I felt like Star-Lord changed somewhere between Guardians 1 and Infinity War in yeah. a weird way. And yeah. I, I don't know. I, I'm i a big... Uh, like, I don't care about like themes or plot nearly as much as I care about characters, and I get very annoyed when I feel like characters are not consistent. Uh, which goes back to uh, good old Elaine from Seinfeld. She wasn't even consistent within the same movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I I just felt like I feel like it's important for everyone on the creative team, especially the writers, 
to understand what the what the character's deal is like what do they want what what is their personality um i felt like that came through for a lot of the characters just not her but but i totally agree tom that like the um the acting and everything was just fantastic from pretty much everybody like yeah whole, whole cast and like um I felt like a lot of the characters were really well done, especially Shuri's like, um, like, um, what do you call it? Hero's journey. The her like yep. uh, ascension to being the Black Panther. Um, it was really cool that you got to see that. Yeah, I also liked how there was the um, there was the scene where she goes down into Atlantis, and she kind of like hangs out with Namor for a day. Like he like takes yeah. around Atlantis and like the the scuba suit or whatever and they like I don't know like they kind of like get a respect for each other and then she's like well unfortunately as much as I enjoyed this tour of discount Atlantis uh, I can't let you kill the chica from Cambridge and Namor's <laughs> like well I guess I'm gonna have to blow up Wakanda then and she's like oh <laughs> and then he blows up Wakanda and then she's like well now I'm gonna have to fuck you up and then she does and then at the end of the movie she's like you know we did have that nice time in in discount <laughs> bargain bin Atlantis so I guess I'm not gonna kill you but you need to chill bro so it kind of felt like uh it felt like there was a reward to the part of the movie where they were like kind of buddies. It felt like the payoff, I guess, was that she like realized that she didn't have to kill him. So I don't know. I, I, I very much enjoyed that with Shuri. It felt like everything in the movie ended up being relevant for her, which I feel like is a good way to design your character's journey. Yeah, for sure. I could have used more time underwater with, yes. in Atlantis. Um, I thought like there was a couple of shots that I were like that I was like oh that's cool to look at like I, I could have used a lot more of that yeah he like showed them playing like underwater soccer and then he was like and then I gave my people the underwater sun and then it showed like a glowing orb for Which a minute d- wasn't and even he was that like, bright. And moving on <laughs> moving on moving yeah. on <laughs> it's like okay bye it's like- but you don't care about the underwater sun, right? You don't want to know what it does or what its deal is. No, you're, you're, you're we're fine. Moving on. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, actually, no, I, I did care. I actually wanted to know more about your, you know, completely unique, unprecedented underwater society filled with mermaid <laughs> yeah. people. I felt like that was important. But I guess if you want to move on to discussing business, sure. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah, 100%. That's weird too because um in Black Panther One, I feel like Ryan Coogler did a very good job of like showing off Wakanda. And then in this movie, he got an opportunity to show off like another Wakanda and he was like, nah. <laughs> now yeah. we're gonna do three shots of it and then Yeah. Uh, well it's a lot to cram in and doing underwater shit is probably really expensive and takes a long time to make, as James Cameron would probably tell you. <laughs> since he just spent the last 13 years of his life making a completely underwater motion capture movie. Really? <laughs> Which, yeah, I guess that's a good point. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Avatar 2 coming out next month. It's going to take him 13 years to make. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Listen to me. I'm like, which movie? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just a little movie called Avatar. <laughs> Wait, isn't it coming out this month? Maybe? Oh, yeah. We're already in December. Shit. <laughs> yeah, we'll yeah, this is <laughs> 
This is what happens when you record while having a fever, because I don't know if anybody listening to this has noticed with my voice, but I came down with a fever today. But I still wanted to record this because we've been waiting like three weeks to record this episode. I hope I sound okay to you guys, at least. Oh, no, you do. I actually am feeling a little bit of the weather, too, all of a sudden. So. <laughs> well, we, we did hang out yesterday, so I probably gave you whatever I had. So. Maybe it was me. Who knows? Well, would one yeah. of us is no more. No help. No help. Oh, my gosh. I'm going to use that for everything now. Yeah. <laughs> Don't forget to do the dishes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah that would be funny if he named all of his kids uh, like <laughs> i have no patience for this boy i'm going to name him no patience <laughs> i'm not proud of this one no pride <laughs> and then namora he just he just doesn't love her so he just was like oh, name her. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh, can you imagine? Maybe it is. Maybe that's what they're going for. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I think they they could have taken the time away from the time it took to like, like have the queen die and all of that. Um, I didn't think needed to be part of this story. I think there was just so much going on and it just felt like they were killing off her character for and I didn't really understand why. I could have used that time on, as like like learning more about the underwater world instead, or just make a shorter movie. Could have been more, know, yeah, two hours, <laughs> not three hours. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it's also weird how how um, how bloated the movie felt for how little was like actually accomplished. accomplished. Yeah, it it kind of feels like basically the queen died. And Shuri printed the herb and became Black Panther, which obviously I know is a huge thing. But other than that, the conflict between Wakanda and uh, Atlantis didn't go anywhere. And the conflict between Wakanda and the United Nations really didn't go anywhere. And the conflict between uh, Atlantis and the United Nations didn't really go anywhere. Yep. So it feels weird. It feels almost impossible that this is like a borderline three hour movie, but it is. But it is, yeah. What and makes I, it even go ahead? I was just gonna say, but funny enough, things like the subplots of Ironheart did move forward, even though that wasn't the main point. It's like, oh, she got to like develop more of her technology and now she'll go out and probably become her own superhero. So it's almost like they paid a bit more attention to the subplots, which by the way, I think Ironheart's inclusion was a, a little bit. Um, I don't know too much about her origins in the comics. But I, I felt like it was cool that she was supposed to be a parallel with Shuri, with like, you know, like this girl who's very intelligent and like, you know, genius can appear anywhere in the world, uh, not just Wakanda. But I felt it was weird that then like she was the creator of a new Iron, Iron Man armor. And instead of it being more in line with like kind of like the Wakanda theme. Um, so I felt like that was a little bit like, felt a little bit separated of the movie, her superhero persona. Not, maybe not the character, but the superhero persona felt a little bit separated from the movie. It's also weird how Tony Stark himself is not mentioned at all in the movie, even though she's clearly modeling herself after him. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, that was a little strange. I felt like um, 
I don't know. It's it's a. I'm. I guess I'm kind of conflicted in that I don't. I I would prefer that she has her own, like origin and setup and whatnot to why she made the Ironheart suit that is distinct from Tony's. But I also felt like I, I don't know. Even if I knew that there were people in the world like Tony Stark making Iron Man suits, I feel like maybe I, maybe I'm just so detached from this, but it feels very strange that she was just building an Iron Man suit. I, like, I don't know. To me, I feel like that wouldn't be what I would be doing as an MIT student. Or if I was, I would be using it way more. But she's like, well, I guess I'm just going <laughs> to test launch this thing and like yeah. rockets into the sky. Kind of I don't know. It felt, like, um, yeah. it felt like she maybe should have had... I mean, maybe in a way, it's like she should have had her own movie or own uh, show or whatever you want to give her. But yeah. like, um, I guess it just feels strange to me when you like gloss over like, why did she build an Iron Man suit? Like, yeah. other than it's like, it seems like important to her motivations as a character. Why would you build a giant robot suit? Other than you're really smart, I don't know. Well, I you could even just solve that simply as like have she has a Tony Stark poster in her dorm room or something. You know what I mean? Like yeah, just just yeah. yeah, just a little something like that would have been enough, really. You know, but, yeah, I guess yeah. they were afraid that like oh, only Spider Man can be a super Iron Man fanboy, um, <laughs> but they don't even have the rights to him right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think. Honestly, even though obviously they want to set her up as a new superhero, it would have made more sense for her to make a super ship, like airship or like supercar, because they revealed that like the reason why the car is so important to her was because it belonged to her dad. So I'm like, oh, then why wouldn't that be her passion instead of making an Iron Man armor that can fly just like, uh, you know, another really cool fast car or something like that? She could be an ace. I think I kind of see what you mean. I guess... It's weird because we live in a world or we watch people live in a world where uh, a a super genius MIT student making some sort of ridiculously fast aerodynamic, even if you made it like a hover car or something, is just not that impressive by like, comparison <laughs> to everything yeah. else everybody else does. So it's almost like she's like pigeonholed into having to make a giant armor suit yeah. wise, because otherwise she's just not cool. And That's I, a good I'm point. Not, I agree. Like why characters do things is always very important to me. And I didn't really like get why she made a giant flying robot suit it felt like as as you pointed out ken it felt like the car was a lot more important to her and stuff so yeah it, it seems like she could have just made i don't know cars or something i don't know we don't even really get to know her at all like all we know about her is that she gets paid to do other people's homework which i'm pretty sure is illegal or at least a code of academic ethics <laughs> uh violation so uh like i'm like it just doesn't really tell me a lot about her and like why does she do that why does she do any of the things she does we don't really get to know her so. yeah i also thought that the arc reactor was something that you needed that new element to create so like she would need to that only iron man really knew how to do um, no well that was in the second movie but there was like in the first movie he made an arc reactor without inventing a new element yet so there's like two different ways to make arc reactors I guess so. But even that, like, can a college student really do that? Not in terms of, like, uh, like being smart, but in terms of, like, uh -huh. resources. Resources, yeah, probably not. <laughs> well, didn't he technically make the first re arc reactor in a cave? 
with a bunch of scraps, as Jeff Bridges said. Yeah, but like it was the scraps were made out of his missiles that had a palladium, which was like oh. was a very rare metal that like he only had like maybe two grams in each missile. So he needed mm. like twenty of those. I guess maybe when she was working with the government to make the vibranium hunter thing, she stole some shit. I don't know. <laughs> maybe, yeah. <laughs> See, in the MCU, in the MCU world, do like do countries use arc reactors to make like? tons of free yeah. energy that yes because in in no way home it's established when electro comes over from the andrew garfield universe he uh he like touches the the wires you know like the telephone wires and he's like whoa what the hell why why does this feel so different and then peter's like oh that's because our new york city runs on vibranium so yes <laughs> in the mcu not vibranium uh whatever arc reactor whatever it's called yeah they, uh, so in the MCU, yeah, the Tony Stark element shit is like used as like an energy resource. Like they use that instead of like nuclear power plants and shit. Ah, yeah. Oh wow! So yeah. they have like infinite free energy. Yes. That's so, like no no carbon emissions. Yes. Whoa! So maybe Tony should have told Thanos, "Hey, I'm actually really <laughs> helping the world here. You know, we're actually doing really well with our resources." Yeah, Ken, you know exactly where I'm going with this. So Thanos shows up to a world that has solved its energy crisis <laughs> and goes, time to kill half of you yeah. because you messed up your resources. And like he knows who Tony Stark is before he even meets him, so you'd think he'd know that. <laughs> like, <laughs> Oh man, that's so confusing. But yeah, I mean, I guess if if cities and countries and stuff are running on arc reactors, I guess it's like less unbelievable to me that uh, that Ironheart would like be able to make it. And you know, if she's like, if she's helping people cheat on her home on their homework, maybe she like dipped into a lab somewhere and stole some palladium or whatever she needs. I don't know. I mean, like again, I just. I, I, would she be the kind of person who would do that to make an arc reactor? I don't know. I don't really know enough about her. So I guess I just kind of have like to assume these things, but yeah, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's very weird. I guess I could have used, depending on which way you go, like I either could have used her having her own movie and not been in this or been in this after that movie established her, or I could have used more with her, yeah. but like the amount that we got is in like the perfect dead zone where it's like, I don't know really how to feel about this character, and it's very awkward that this is the thing that introduced her. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And I also thought it always threw me off a lot when, like, she had this one moment where she was like, "Oh, it's the princess of Wakanda. That's crazy!" And like, she's starstruck for three seconds, and then after that, she's like, "I need to go back to school." And they're like, "Oh, so life <laughs> is in danger," and she's like. Well, I don't really care about that. I don't really, you know, you can go back to Wakanda. I don't really care. I just need to go back to school. And I'm like, why does she have to go back to school so much, even though the princess of Wakanda is telling her, like, that her life is in danger? I don't know. I uh, MIT, like, man, they're, they're committed. They're committed, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She's like, I have physics class. <laughs> oh, my God, it's finals week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think she specifically said she had differential equations, and I'm like, wait, you're you built an arc reactor, and you're going to class for differential equations. Are shouldn't you be in like super more advanced classes at this point? <laughs> oh yeah, that's another thing. Yeah, 
if you're building arc reactors, aren't you like one of those people who like gets their PhD at like 15? Yeah. <laughs> Why is she? But she's school? like an actual like college age student taking yeah. college classes. But then she's like, oh, you know, on the side, I just built this little thing. It's an iron <laughs> pantsuit. <laughs> what you, you do these things sometimes. It's a hobby. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah. <laughs> It's it's weird because yeah, it felt like she had like moments where like she had opinions on things or like did something that should have been elaborated on or and that's just like Ryan Coogler put all those moments into a pot and then was like, that's the character and yeah. what, 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 but why did she do any of these things and why did she change her mind on this and why does she feel that way on this? And I don't know. Yeah, it's very weird. If I were a person who got dragged down into Atlantis and discovered that there was, for one, Atlantis, and two, that, like, somebody built a vibranium sun underwater and all that stuff. I mean, I guess she never saw that. But it's like, I feel like I would not be concerned about getting back to <laughs> my yeah. tea. I feel like I would be having uh, a Squidward moment of, like, curling up into a ball and saying future <laughs> because I just discovered that Atlantis is real and a man with wings on his feet leads it. <laughs> Isn't it crazy how the older you get, the more relatable Squidward becomes? Yeah. <laughs> Um, I mean, I guess this is also just a world where, like, they got attacked by a giant purple space man, and he said, I'm gonna kill 50% of you, and then 50% of people turned into dust, and then five years later, they came back. So, I don't know, maybe, like, this world just has, like, permanent PTSD and nothing surprises them anymore? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I think, like, so, Ironheart was basically, like, a small part of, like, Shuri's story and I feel like I would have preferred the inverse if yeah like you were saying Tom like if she had had a movie like before just called Ironheart and Shuri would have been a small part of that story like I feel like I would have like appreciated that more yeah that would have actually been cool is like it would almost be interesting to make like a parallel movie to this that mm-hmm. is like her and you see the scene where Shuri shows up like happen like in a, I don't know but like it, it feels like it, it feels like there should have been more about her it would have been funny if like her movie ends with the scene where Shuri shows up so that it's like (laughs) if you watch them together it's like she's she has her movie Ironheart has her movie and then at the end she gets abducted and taken to Atlantis but um yeah it I don't know it it's it's one of those cases where like I didn't dislike the character I of what I saw it was fine but I needed more wise and I needed just generally more of her and yeah it would have been cool if she was somehow like a car themed person instead of a, another super suit person yeah um i also find it very relatable when like uh, shuri recreates the herb she drinks it and there's a there's still a whole lot of it of yep. it left into like the bowl and i was like can they share that with other people? Because that's a lot of it. And she's like, can I have some? And then they just caught out. And I'm like, no, actually, she should have some. It would be great for the battle to come. <laughs> yeah, I think that is really funny is um, that cut is just really amusing because <laughs> Ironheart basically like turns to the audience and is like, we're going to waste that. <laughs> and, then cuts, and none of the other people have superpowers. And you can't help but wonder. It's like, what do they do with it? Like, 
do they like does Shuri just have it in like a smoothie the next day? Like, <laughs> like to make sure that she got all the powers that they don't fade or something? Like, what do they do with that? Do they just like put it on the counter and forget about like but I do wonder if the it? third movie will address that now. Because I feel like a bunch of Wakandans would be like, hey, now that we could synthesize the herb, shouldn't we all like be allowed to be Black Panther? Like, can't we all take this shit now? And so like I wonder if the third movie will address that in any way. Yeah, and I think that would be a good argument, not just because it makes you powerful, but because it prolongs your life and like makes you heal faster. So just for a quality of life perspective, yeah. like, it would be nice if you could share that with your people. Um, and also thematically, it would be interesting if um, Ironheart had gotten it, because that would be the first time that you kind of use Iron Man and um, Captain America, a super yeah. soldier that uses a super armor. Uh, oh yeah that would have been neat is if she was like kind of like half a hybrid of the two yeah Yeah. i really thought that that's what they were going to do at one point in the movie when ironheart was saying could i get some of that because yeah they just like have a whole bowl of it still sitting there i i really thought that her and lupita nyong'o were both going to take it what's lupita nyong'o's character name again uh nokia Nokia, something like nokia Nokia. i'm gonna call her nokia from now on (laughs) (laughs) uh but uh yeah, why? I, I at one point I was thinking maybe they were going to take it too because I, I I remember hearing a rumor at one point that there was going to be multiple new Black Panthers in this movie, but or Mubaku yeah. taking it, you know, to kind of help out to see what's in the front lines. Yeah, mm. imagine if in Black Panther three Mbaku takes it, that would be like you could have like scrawny Shuri Black Panther next and to big, like Jack, yeah, <laughs> huge Black Panther. And I would be like, between the two of these people, if you average them out, you have two normal size black. <laughs> Good point. Jack Panther. <laughs> I guess they really wanted to keep the focus on Shuri, though, because in the comics, she does eventually replace T'Challa's Black Panther anyways at some point, I think. So I guess they were trying to stay lore accurate also. I wonder if, if like, um, which I mean, I appreciate because I feel like Shuri's story turned out very well in this. So I'm OK with mm. the fact that, like, she was the only new Black Panther in this. But. It would be interesting if in the third Black Panther movie, if they continue the theme of like her kind of rejecting tradition stuff, yeah. if she started to give it out to people. Yeah. Especially since, um, as you pointed out, Ken, like it like helps people heal and like lengthens their life and stuff. And right. she might still have like a bit of a chip on her shoulder about T'Challa's death, like from a, some type of medical issue. Yeah. Uh, so like maybe she could start distributing it almost as like a preventative medicine sort of right, thing. right. Yeah, vaccine get vaxxed. Get <laughs> well, vaxxed. <laughs> what's funny is that I heard a rumor that I don't know if this is true, but I think I heard a rumor that the actress who plays Shuri, Letitia Wright, I think her name is. I heard a rumor that she's an anti-vaxer, and that they were almost going to write her out of this movie too because of that. Because they filmed this movie during COVID, and she didn't want to get vaxxed. Again, I don't know if this is all just bullshit or not, but. Uh, I thought I had heard that at one point. Imagine what they if... did was that they put the vaccine into the the herb soup thing. And <laughs> he gave it to her. It's like, oh, yeah, now I got superpowers. Actually, you got vaccinated for COVID. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine if the mother died and T'Challa died and Shuri died. That would be too much. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah, wow. yeah. Uh, that would have been overkill. So I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if those rumors are true. I heard the same thing, though, but I don't know if those rumors are true, but it's a good thing. I don't know. I thought that she was great in this movie, so I don't really. Me too. If, yeah, yeah. If she yeah. has her own personal. If the actress has her own personal weird, t- I don't care. She yeah. was very good in the movie, and the script was great for her character. So, yep, it all turned out well. 
But that would have yeah. been really awkward if they had to, like, imagine if it's just, like, every single time in between a movie, some person, like, gets, like, isn't able to be in the next one. So, like, a new Black Panther has to be made every single time. Every time. Every Black Panther story is an origin story. Yeah. <laughs> like, next time it's M'Baku. And it's like mm. Nakia. <laughs> it just keeps on going until it's the new T'Challa. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then it's like, oh no, he's also got uh, Namor is now Black Panther. Like, what? <laughs> Namor is now Black Panther. And then Namora is Black Panther. <laughs> and then Universal Studios comes knocking on the door and takes them both away. <laughs> no, oh, no, there's no Black Panther. Until ultimately it's just Bilbo. I'm like, wait, you can't be Black Panther. <laughs> <laughs> actually, <laughs> like, actually, he can't. <laughs> And then, uh, and then Elaine from Seinfeld tries to become Black Panther. Yeah, they're like, no, they're like, no. Wait, no, no. <laughs> and yeah, she's like, eh, actually, this is kind of culturally insensitive. I think all the <laughs> oh, I was gonna go a step further, and she brings in the other three guys from Seinfeld, and they all take a turn at it too. Oh my <laughs> god. Oh my god, can you imagine? Oh, well, with Kramer, they can't really wait because he said the N word once or whatever, right? The, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't, really don't want to canonize Jerry Seinfeld in the MCU either. <laughs> so I, I think I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna pass on that plot line. <laughs> oh goodness! And then it just keeps going. Um, and uh, you know how, like in Ca- um, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, there's that scene where, like, uh, Falcon says, "Like, I'm Falcon, not the Black Falcon. I'm just Falcon." Okay, <laughs> and then like he becomes Black Falcon. It's like, wait, what? Because I'm black? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's just the name, man. That, that's like. The- have you guys ever heard that joke about how in the original Power Rangers, the, the Black Ranger was a black guy and the Yellow Ranger was an Asian girl? <laughs> and then, oh, no. Yeah, that was the thing. And then halfway through season one, they realized, like, wait a minute. And they they, they wrote the, those two characters off. Like, they're like, oh, they're going away to college. And they So then they got an Asian guy to be Black Ranger and a Black oh. Ranger to be the Yellow Ranger. Oh, like, you can't punish the characters for your mistake. They just wrote them off. <laughs> yeah i once saw a parody of, you guys know how in every like new season of the power rangers they 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 upgrade like they change their uniforms and sometimes they even change colors like the red one becomes blue and yeah. the blue one becomes red they, they like swap a little bit there was a joke where like this one black guy was like i'm not gonna be the black power ranger again okay i'm not <laughs> <laughs> oh that's so unfortunate yeah I thought it was really funny that you mentioned like canonizing Jerry Seinfeld into MCU because it does like it's not that extreme, but we are getting to the point with the MCU where there are just so many superheroes with so many different superpowers. Yeah. Um, and it's becoming like, who's next? What? Like, <laughs> we don't have a, I don't think we have like a flying person yet. Like, <laughs> We don't have somebody who shoots lasers out of their eyes. <laughs> Not only that, but like now we have like multiple Hawkeyes, multiple Hulks. We have three Hulks now because we have Hulk, She-Hulk, and Hulk's son. I don't know if you guys yeah. saw the finale of She-Hulk, but Hulk was just like, guys, this is my long-lost teenage son. Say hi, everybody. <laughs> I... He's a Hulk? Like, Say that like again, Tom? Like he's green? Like yeah, he yeah, a, like he's green, green, just like his dad, yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Man. <laughs> It's going to be really funny in like these new Avengers movies when it's like doing the, you know, like the epic Avengers theme where they do like the panning shot of all the people. Yeah. And it's going to be like, it's going to be like uh, 
uh, Hawkeye draws his bow from his back, and then like the camera shifts two inches, and then Kate Bishop draws her bow. From yeah, her back. yeah, and then it pans to it just has to be Hulk roaring, and then it's gonna like the camera's gonna pan down slightly, and it's gonna be his teenage son roaring, and then it's gonna pan back up, and it's gonna be Hulk roaring, yeah. and it's just gonna be like tr- like the the Avengers theme is just gonna be like looping for five minutes as all of these characters yeah. and their their clones <laughs> do their pose, and then Deadpool just says, "Guys, guys, wait, there's still." Of you, like, I can't catch you all with my camera. <laughs> He's the cameraman. Hey, that'd be a cool cameo. Yeah, Deadpool in an Avengers movie. Yeah, I wouldn't mind that at all. Yeah. And then and... at a certain point, uh, oh, sorry, Shalom, were you gonna say? No, I, I no, it's, I, I was just gonna say that like we aren't at the point where Star Wars and Marvel have crossed, but I am not. It's uncomfortably close at this point. <laughs> oh, yeah. Not only that, Marvel and DC will eventually cross over, too. Especially because James Gunn, who came from Marvel, now is in control of DC. So, yeah, it's it's inevitable. Well, I, maybe they'll retitle Guardians of the Galaxy 3 to be Guardians of the Galaxy Far, Far Away. Oh, <laughs> I, I wouldn't mind that at all. <laughs> You yeah, were mind that. Or, do you want to repeat that for the record? <laughs> <laughs> there is a part, there is a scene in Parks and Recreation where they gave pa- Patton Oswald was a character in one. Oh, I remember this. Yeah. And God. they gave him uh, like a, an assignment, like Patton Oswald. And they were like, your only assignment is to stand here and rant about anything. And Patton Oswald was like, bet I'm going to rant for 45 minutes about the Marvel universe crossing over with the Star Wars universe using a reality gem. And this is way before, like, I think reality gems were even introduced in in the MCU. Yeah, this was like 10 years ago. I think this was before Disney even owned Star Wars when he did this. Yeah, and like, like, at the time, it was supposed to be, like, hilarious. Like, wow, can you imagine, like, how, how big a nerd is this guy that he knows all about Star Wars and all about Marvel? And like, there's no way that this would ever, ever happen. And like, now it's he, he, he nailed it. He mm-hmm. predicted the whole thing. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think he even talked about characters like Thanos and shit in that. I, I yeah. Think. <laughs> yeah. Kang's well, ultimate plot is going to be to try to bring the Death Star into <laughs> their <laughs> galaxy so that he can fire it at Earth. I hate to say it, but some of this shit might actually happen because you know? I, I know in certain Marvel movies they reference Star Wars movies like, hey, have you ever seen that old movie Empire Strikes Back? Like they say Well, and Tom Holland's building a Death Star, like I said. Right, right, right. But Doctor Strange did establish that dreams are really gateways into multiverses. <laughs> so it's like, oh, George Lucas had a dream about Star Wars, but it was really he was seeing into another universe. They'll just say some shit like that, you know? Yeah, and then Mickey Mouse will come and stop the Death Star, you know? <laughs> <laughs> That's, that's just Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> that would be just Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> Everything becomes Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> Everything does, yeah. It just keeps going back to that somehow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we might get there. I don't know. I, I feel like that'd be kind of... That would be, like, really funny for the first 15 minutes of that movie. Or the first 15 minutes of, like, the Star Wars crossing over at the MCU. And then I feel like my brain would implode and I would just die in the movie theater right there. (laughs) (laughs) We were at Disney and I saw... Who is the guy that plays both Poe and Moon Knight? Oscar Isaac. Yeah, and I saw him in... 
we had I think we had just watched Moon Knight or something and then I saw him at the dis in the theme park as Poe and I was like wait what oh oh no now they can't cross over these universes because there's a guy in each one <laughs> unless it's just Moon Knight with another personality that's just Poe <laughs> genius they can make a joke about that like hey you look like me no you look like me <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean you saw him like you saw him on a video screen or something oh like um yeah like there was a there's this one the um what's it called rise of the resistance ride which i highly recommend if you're ever in disney world Mm. very cool ride and thanks yeah there's a he's uh not like not like the actor unfortunately but like Mm. um he's like on a big screen when you're like in this spaceship gotcha that's pretty cool though it was really cool, and they used um, like three D animatronic characters for um, the captain whose name I can never remember. Captain the Phasma, the silver the, uh, arc. It's a trap. Oh, Akbar! Akbar! Yeah. yeah. Um, and it was so cool because you can like go right up to him, and it, they did a really good job with like the. It didn't even look like a like a cheesy like puppet. It was like, oh, it's so cool. I feel like he's right there. That's um, cool. Yeah, and yeah. Highly recommend that. Yeah, great ride. Yeah. I agree with that. Imagine um, like they the the this crossover movie happens and then just Disney at like Disney World just knocks down the fence between the Star Wars park and the, <laughs> and the Marvel MCU park stuff. And then they start pouring like Disney like Disney princesses into it all. And it's like, mm. oh now and now uh, Ella or whatever her name from Frozen is in it. And it's like we can just <laughs> knock down that fence too, save some money on fencing. <laughs> and now it's just all one park. That's like the the South Park joke where Stan's dad is like, "I'm gonna knock down the wall between the kitchen and the living room and do like an open concept." <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Can you imagine in the like in the next like I don't know, uh, like Marvel movie during like the third act, the final battle, like, um, uh, like she comes in and she's like, "Let it go!" <laughs> like everything's uh, musical. Like Elsa comes in. Oh my goodness! I mean. <laughs> One day we might get, yeah, like a Marvel property musical. We already have that musical from yeah. Hawkeye, but then like an actual movie that the totality of it is a musical. <laughs> I mean, when Henry told me that the new Joker movie was going to be a musical, I, it is, thought, yeah. <laughs> I thought you guys were messing with me. Yeah, no, it's, it's going to be a musical. Wait, is there a musical episode in the Hawkeye show? No. Uh, it's like that episode, first or second episode where they go watch the event oh that that oh god yeah yeah yeah, yeah. The, it's in the first episode they go it, like within the marvel universe itself they turned avengers the events of the first avengers film into like a broadway musical play so it's like hawkeye takes his kids to go see it oh and okay it's really awkward and weird and- i'm gonna be honest <laughs> uh i would probably watch one of these wacky movies with a musical why not i mean can you imagine if if uh namor started flying on his silly wings and then started fighting shuri and then they just broke out into a song about how like they they were both wrongfully treated by the outside colonial world and that they should be friends but this is a tragic story of how they've become enemies and then it's like and then it just spontaneously uh, ends with Shuri hitting him with a jet engine <laughs> <laughs> the song just cuts and he lights on fire he's like oh dang it <laughs> yeah the funniest part about that go ahead Ken 
Oh, I was just gonna say, and it just ends with him being like, "It burns, burns, burns." What was I say, Henry? Uh, in the Hawkeye thing, like when he's watching the Broadway thing, he's getting visibly irritated by it. So he sta- he he walks away and goes to the bathroom. And as soon as he walks into the bathroom, he sees graffiti that says Thanos was right. And then he just rolls his eyes in even greater annoyance. <laughs> oh my! Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, speaking of Broadway, yeah. as someone whose first Broadway show ever, ever was Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark, I can say I, I would also watch more like real life like uh, Broadway shows about superheroes because I love that. And I keep telling Shalom that like, you know, it, that show is criticized a lot for a lot of things like it not yeah. being a classic and it having a lot of issues. Um, but I tell Shalom, like my view. Um, sorry, my phone keeps turning off. Turning, turning off. Um, a lot of those showings, there were accidents <laughs> during them, and they had to like cancel the entire show. But mine was one of the few ones that were, there were no accidents. So yeah, special. We were lucky. <laughs> and they only did like ten performances of that. So yeah, yeah, I lucked out. I just can't even like handle the name. <laughs> turn off. Turn off. The turn off the dog. Well, bl- blame you two for that because you two did the music for that movie. You know the band you two, and they one of the songs on the soundtrack was called "Turn Off the Dark," so that's why it's called that. So you could thank Bono <laughs> for that shit. Oh Wait, Ken, is there like a thematic plot reason why it's called "Turn Off the Dark"? Like, is like Electro trying to <sighs> so like, the the first... turn off the dark? Yeah, the first half of the show is just your classic origin story. But of then the, the yeah, but then the second half it's about Madame Web, uh, like taking Spider Man through the mul- the Spider Verse because there are multiple enemies from different dimensions that have like broken into his dimension, and he needs to defeat them all. And so they go into this post apocalyptic world where like the villains won, I think, and so they need to like fight them. And I guess it's all dark. So maybe turn off the dark to bring the light and that Spider-Man? I don't know. Oh, <laughs> it's, yeah. it's not very clear. You know, this is giving me an idea, though, is that Tom Holland is a good dancer and Zendaya yeah. is a good dancer and singer. So we have two important key components to a Spider-Man <laughs> musical movie right here. I think. I think maybe... Maybe you should pitch this, Ken. Yeah. yeah Maybe you, you know? should pitch that Spider-Man 4 with Tom Holland should be a musical. I like it. There are, I feel like there are really good examples. Like, Bob's Burgers phases in and out of being a musical pretty much every episode. They just have random songs. But oh, I think yeah. because sure. Bob's Burgers is already quirky, it kind of you just kind of roll with it as the audience. Yeah. You're like, oh, this is happening. Um, there are also really bad examples of random the Scrubs, the old sitcom. Um, they had one random musical episode out of nowhere for a hospital sitcom, um, and it was not good. good. <laughs> like, yeah, and I think they also did that on. It was either Supergirl or Flash. It was like one of the CW DC shows. Uh, also, um, Lucifer did that, which is technically a DC property. Uh, oh, yeah. Random musical episodes. Where they just started dancing and singing. I don't even remember that. Yeah, like uh, in that show, uh, God actually starts like losing control of his powers, and that just means that people start dancing and singing. That's that's the plot. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. 
Yes. I, think there were, I don't know if it was whole episodes, but there were scenes in House that were musical members. And they were always like, why did you do this? Like, yeah. this is a medical drama about House being right. Yeah, House and, got weird towards the end. discovering that it's not lupus. Why is mm-hmm. he doing a weird, like, Broadway show thing? It doesn't make any yeah. sense. I think if you're gonna do it, you should not give an ex because the problem one of the problems with the Scrubs episode too was that it was not like an it was not a scenario where there was one patient who was feeling something extremely strongly and that's why they started singing. It was like an episode where there was a patient who had a specific type of brain tumor that caused them to believe that everything was a musical. So it was an entire sung through episode, which I felt like was just much more awkward than like than like kind of inserting a song that actually meant something for a reason. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I always remember this is like I guess kind of getting off track at this point, but uh I remember that I was like in a class in college that was about like the design of musicals and the history of musicals and plays and whatnot. And that we were reading this passage that was about designing musicals and the person was like musicals broadly go into two one of two categories uh the characters either acknowledge that they are singing and dancing or they do not and the person was just like i don't know how you write a musical where they acknowledge that they are singing and dancing because it doesn't make any sense why would people communicate this way whereas you can just make it that they are you don't actually know what they're doing but you're witnessing their emotions through song i'm like yeah i have seen people try to attempt to explain why something is a musical and it makes it worse because like I don't want to know why people are singing and dancing. It's already yeah. ridiculous enough. Just make it that they don't. Like, I always like in the high school musical movies when, like, they start singing and dancing and there's, like, the weird transition point where the characters appear to be, like, starting. Like, they get, have, like, confused looks on their faces. Yeah. They're like, wait, hold on. Why are we singing this? Oh, okay. I guess I'll just join in and dance. And it's like, wait, hold on. So. Are they actually doing this? I, I can't tell. Right, because I always, as a kid, I always thought musicals, like, when they do break out into the song and dance part, it's like they're breaking the fourth wall, you know? Yeah, I mean? exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so it's very, it's very enjoyable. You would, uh, you would have to do that for an MCU one, is you would have to just not explain it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I agree with that. Yeah. It would have to be some, like, uh, like, smaller TV show, I think, to do at first. <laughs> like introduce people to the idea that you can have music in a movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it, it's almost surprising that they didn't do it in Wandavision, did they? Well, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. I guess they didn't, because Wandavision, I guess, was mainly basing itself off of sitcoms, and sitcoms were never really musicals. Now, like old sitcoms from the seventies and eighties and stuff. So, I guess they were just trying to stay true to that. I yeah. suppose. The closest we got was uh, Multiverse of Madness, where the music actually becomes a weapon. There's no singing, oh, yeah. but the music can actually be <gasps> oh, weaponized. <my> gosh. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> oh my gosh, that was so cheesy. <laughs> that was weird. I'm going to throw these razor sharp, sharp musical notes at you. Yeah. It's called C-sharp for a reason. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> Wait, is that an actual line? No, no. <laughs> no, no. Oh, thank God. But, but that actually happens. Like we're... I, I just make puns for the MCU. <laughs> <laughs> I, thought, I thought when Ken said that, I thought that 
Stephen Strange actually grabbed a C sharp and threw it at a person. Was no, he did. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, well, he doesn't say anything, but he does actually do that. Yeah, like he's, he starts. No, no, playing... I know he does actually does that. I remember when we did that episode that you explained that, but I thought he actually said it's called C sharp. <laughs> that would have been good, but no, there was no dialogue. <laughs> At least then he would have acknowledged a little bit. Yeah. Like yeah. Throwing music at somebody. Henry makes really good impressions of, I think, the, the Batman movies uh, with Mr. Freeze. Like, what, what are the oh, quotes? That. It's time to kick some ice. <laughs> Stay cool. Stay chill. <laughs> uh, I always love you just hearing your impressions. <laughs> at one point, he's like, he just gives up on fighting Arnold Schwarzenegger and them, and he's just like, I'll kill you next time. And he just runs out of the room. <laughs> <laughs> that yeah. would be neat though with like a really small like irrelevant hero to do like a musical movie with them mm-hmm. that, that would be really fun yeah yeah yeah. but they would just not have to not be the hero of music <laughs> <laughs> the hero of music <laughs> oh yeah if they were like music themed then it would be bad I think Yeah, it would have to be like I don't know invisible girl or something and it would also be funny if like they 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 had this like movie that was just they're like this irrelevant hero it's like a low like low level crime plot and like they solve it or whatever it's in a musical and then they end up like having a cameo in an avengers movie and they show up and they're like hey guys and they're like talking normally and then they're just like you know what this doesn't feel right and they just leave (laughs) oh my god i would love that that would be amazing and they're just never like they're never shown again or anything and everybody's like oh i wonder who that was (laughs) what's their problem well i think we just saved the mcu guys yeah back on track (laughs) what's it like they're gonna start using all our ideas and then they're not gonna pay us a dime (laughs) i like to imagine that the one person who listens to this is kevin feige yeah. Yes. And he's like, these people know what's up. <laughs> this is good. This is good. <laughs> that actually I mean, brings up. Go ahead, Tom. I was gonna say, I wouldn't be surprised if after the second Joker movie, we see a random explosion of like weird genre musicals. Yeah, if, <laughs> because if everybody copies everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It wouldn't surprise me. What were you gonna say, Henry? Uh oh. Does it feel weird to anyone else that this movie is technically the end of Phase Four, this Black Panther movie? Yeah, I'd say like honestly, I don't, I don't know what Facebook really is. Like it's just kind of gone by, and I, I I don't know what it was. <laughs> I didn't know we were on Facebook. I thought we I thought, wait. Which I thought uh, end Endgame was the end of Phase One. Te- well, no, technically phases one through three are called the Infinity Saga. So Endgame was the end of the Infinity Saga, but it was the end of Phase Three. Avengers mm-hmm. One was the end of Phase One, and then Avengers Two. Well, technically technically ant-man technically avengers 2 was like the end of phase two technically far from home was the yeah end. yeah yeah technically the second tom holland spider-man movie is the end of phase three and the end of the whole infinity saga which is really but really it's really end game is the end and then far from home is like the epilogue i guess yeah. you could say yeah yeah oh okay it's very strange though that like all of the phases thus far have basically been defined by an avengers movie but that's what i'm getting at there wasn't an avengers movie for this one right right this feels like a really weird note to end it on if this was an ending movie it did not feel like an ending movie in any description yeah it has so many more questions than answers I mean, I guess if you want to get technical, the Guardians of the Galaxy Christmas special that just dropped on Disney Plus is the real ending of Phase Four. But as far as far as the movies are concerned, it's this. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is very strange. I mean, uh, like, I don't know. I, jeez, I, oh I watched what No Way Home and and this from Phase Four, <laughs> uh, and I heard about Multiverse of Madness and Thor Four, um, the four, and I don't feel like there was any coherent messaging to any of this besides like maybe a vague through line of the multiverse kind yeah of the thing. multiverse and also like passing the torch kind oh, of thing. passing the torch yeah yeah um mm. but like does fate do to phase five and six both have avengers movies or are they no. both crammed into phase six they're both they? crammed yeah there's two avengers movies but they're both going to be crammed into phase six released back to back at the end of phase six yeah, because, like, I don't really have a clear understanding of, like, where the MCU world is, quote-unquote, like, going. That, like, in I. Avengers 1, it's, like, Phase 1 is the formation of the Avengers. In Phase 2, it's, like, the Avengers go, like, become a global force. And then, like, like actually start operating globally. And then in Phase 3, Thanos comes and has a stupid plan. <laughs> uh, but Phase 4, it's, like torches are passed and people start acknowledging the multiverse exists but like but high (laughs) but like like what else like that isn't really like a that's like exposition that's not like events yeah 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 i've liked bits and pieces of phase four but overall i have to agree with most people that it was pretty much a miss there's a lot of people on the internet now that have basically just made that their whole identity just like phase four sucks phase four sucks and they don't have like nuanced conversations about it but I mean, overall, yeah, it is a step down from what's come before. But that was also kind of inevitable anyway, with Endgame being such a big fucking ending to everything, you know. Maybe they, maybe they were just like, you know what, exposition always sucks. Let's just like slog through these like seventeen movies in Phase Four, <laughs> and then on Phase Five we'll start making good movies again. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, it's also weird because the Phase Four is when they transitioned from doing just movies to doing a mix of TV shows, TV and, and I, I think that didn't help. I yeah, think they, I feel they like that has themselves like drawn thin. out the exposition to make yeah. it feel like it's like ten years of exposition. Yeah, yeah. 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 Especially because like the main antagonist now being Kong gets introduced in Loki, which not everyone watched. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I didn't watch it. the The launch of Disney Plus was really not good timing wise for neither Marvel nor Star Wars because Marvel and Star Wars both reached to the end of like their sagas right when Disney Plus launched. So then it was like Marvel was obligated to make movies and shows at the same time while they were still trying to find their new identity. And with Star Wars, it's like every time they try to make a new movie now, it just ends up getting turned into a show anyways because Disney Plus exists now. So they haven't been able to find their new identity either, you know, after the Skywalker saga or whatever we want to call it. So yeah, the timing was not really that great, but what are you going to do? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. As a person who hasn't consumed most of the stuff that's in Phase 4, I feel like I've been hearing about Phase 4 for way longer than I ever heard about Phase 3, 2, or 1. And yeah. it's really weird because it's like I've watched two of the four or five movies that came out, and I've watched zero of the TV shows, but I also like... <laughs> feel like it's like when is this going to end well co- covid didn't help because covid also distorted everyone's perception of time so i guess so yeah, yeah. it's just uh yeah. it's also going to be weird going forward because i'm i'm, I'm gonna have to be like introduced to the new characters in the movies that aren't their origin stories like yeah Pete bishop and all these people it's like 
Yeah. I guess I just have to accept that they're around now. But mm-hmm. okay. Well, I would love to keep chit chatting on this, but we're like down to the last twenty seconds on the time, <laughs> at least according to my phone. So, does anybody have any closing thoughts or? Uh, I don't know. Black Panther two is all right. Sure, he's cool. That's it. Yeah, I agree with that. Agreed. Okay. Well, thanks everyone. Thank yeah, you. This was fun. Yeah, this was great. Peace. Bye. Bye, everybody. Bye.